see this movement. Hey, I get to do two exciting things today uh, that get to um, that are really important as part of the message. Um, so really excited to 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 launch this new thing that we're doing. And then at the end of uh, the message today, we're also going to be delivering an announcement that's pretty important. So stick around. Make sure you're here for that. Don't. I know you guys want to go out and get your parfaits, but um, just just make sure you don't leave early for this one. So um, today we're going to be starting a new series. It's called A Church That Unites Diverse People. And it's a topic and it's a kind of initiative that we've been thinking about here at Access for a long time. We've been thinking about it, praying about it, and part of the exciting thing that we're doing right now and today is that we're launching a series that's um, going in conjunction with that, and we're also launching some initiatives, and we're also going to be sharing an update to the Access vision statement. Um, Now, so you go, wow, I mean, we haven't really talked about Access Vision stuff in like years. Uh, we, we major on mission uh, and a mission statement, but we're going to be doing that a little bit. It's going to be embedded in the message today. So I'm excited about that. I feel like I need to pray before I do, um, just to invite God's spirit to lead us uh, as we enter his word and as we enter into this conversation. Heavenly Father, We gather here this morning to listen to you, to pay attention to what you're saying, to be in alignment with your Holy Spirit. And we pray, Lord God, that you would give us the attention span, uh, move in us, move through us, help us to be focused. We're listening to you at this time. We pray in Jesus' name. So this series is going to take us through the book of Acts. Um, And the book of Acts we're going to be uh, looking at from now through December. We may do some more in the new year. We may even do another series next year on on the other half of the book of Acts. But what we're going to be doing as we look through the book of Acts is actually looking through the vision and the framework that Jesus offered to us at the very end of his earthly ministry. Within the book of Acts, he lays out some specific instructions for all his disciples. We're going to walk through each of those um, instructions today. And then he gives us a vision. It's embedded in his instructions. We're going to kind of unpack a little bit of that today. We'll talk about how that applies to access and to you and me. And we'll go from there. We're going to start with the book of Acts today. Now, if you are unfamiliar with this book, it's basically part two, it's season two of the Gospel of Luke, right? So um, Acts just picks off where, uh, where Luke uh, left off. The Gospels end with Jesus going to the cross, dying for our sins. He's uh, risen to new life, and here is the narrative. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. 
For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Three things I want to point out in our text from today. And here's this format I tried out last year, and I hope you guys like it, or last spring. Um, the first detail is this. It is the centrality of the resurrection. And after his suffering, he presented himself to them, and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. The Gospel of Luke, as well as the other Gospels, all end their narratives with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It is at the center of our faith. It is at the center of who we are as Christians, and it is the centerpiece that will move us forward in the book of Acts. Now, when I was growing up, I grew up in California, a little bit different than here in Houston. But when I grew up in California, there was a phenomenon that we all knew about, that all California, all West Coast people actually know about. It's called the earthquake. Um, and as a kid, when um, I was growing up, I remember doing this in first grade, my first grade teacher uh, would teach us the earthquake drill. So when the alarm went off for the earthquake to happen, uh, which sounds just like a fire drill, we would shove our chairs back and we would dive under our desks and we'd curl up into these little balls as tight as we possibly could. Teacher would walk around and see if there's any limbs hanging out um, (laughs) and correct us. And then our hands had to go in specific places. One went over your face in case there was things flying from the windows or whatever, and the other on the back of your neck in case there was glass or something like that, right? So kind of an anxious moment for a lot of first graders. Um, But that was kind of the price for living in paradise. You know, California was really nice. See, I saw the beach every day growing up, you know, the ocean, but we also had uh, earthquake drills. Now, if you're not familiar with an earthquake or what an earthquake actually is, or if you've never experienced one, an earthquake happens when uh, the foundation upon which your life has been built on basically begins to shift and move. We human beings have built the foundations of our civilization on tectonic plates that cover the earth, right? And sometimes they move, sometimes they adjust. And when they adjust, a lot of energy is released, A tremendous amount of wave energy is released from these points when the tectonic shifts happen. Um, If you've ever taken a pebble and you've thrown it into like a lake uh, and you've seen the ripple effect happen, right? Uh, That actually happens with the ground. So I've had friends that during earthquakes, they've said, dude, I just saw the earth like move in waves. It was weird. Uh, Not all the earth likes to move like that, but that's what happens. You get cracks in the earth. Asphalt and concrete can move like that. Um, 
Um, at the center of an earthquake is there something called an epicenter. It's where all that energy and release of energy kind of move out from. It's the center point. Now, the purpose of why I'm talking about this today is because some 2,000 years ago, there was an earthquake, a God-inspired one, one that God created, and it radiated it out with energy. And it began to topple over religious institutions, religious people. It began to change the foundations of how we relate to one another. It began to change the foundations of earthly nations. It began to change everything. That earthquake was Jesus. And it was his resurrection, his rising from the dead. So the narrative of scripture and the gospel message can be summed up in kind of like a four-part thing. God created human beings. We were made in the image of God. We were created to be like God. We were created to love and be in relationship. We were created to care for this earth. And early on in the story of humanity, we fell. We fell away. We rebelled against God. And we invited sin and destruction into all parts of our being and into the world around us. That was the fall. But God, in his mercy and his grace, sent Jesus to reconnect us with God and his way, with his kingdom. That meant that Jesus had to take on human sin and death and go to the cross to die for us. And this is the promise and this is the invitation for you, for me, for all of us to experience new life through Jesus. And when we do, there's a surge of energy that begins to topple over and change up the foundations of who you are in the best possible way. And that renewal and redemption is what we live into in the kingdom of God. Now, that's the centrality of the book of Acts. It's based on the resurrection of Jesus. There's something else I want to point out here in the beginning of this narrative. There's a second point. Um, it is the Holy Spirit of God. Now, the book is called Acts of the Apostles, right? That's kind of like where Luke left off with his gospel when he wrote another book. Actually, it was the same book. Um, and then um, it was called the Acts of the Apostle, but really in, in, in many ways it was the action of the Holy Spirit of God. As he began to indwell people's lives, as he began to move people out, the shockwaves from the earthquake in that very epicenter of the resurrection began to topple over and change the rest of the world. Now, there is a word here that is a little bit different in how we talk about the Holy Spirit of God. It's different than some of the New Testament letters. It's a little bit different than some other passages. It is the word gift. And I want us to just take a moment to recognize what Luke is trying to tell us here. This is a gift from God to all his people. This is a gift of God to you. It is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, in a lot of, if you've been a part of church world for some time, you know, you hear about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and you also often think, okay, I'm gifted to do this, I'm gifted to do that, maybe leadership, maybe mercy, maybe you have a, a gift to, 
to do something that's kind of unique in the kingdom of God, that's, that's different than other people. But we talk about gifting and the Holy Spirit in those terms most of the time. But here in Acts, the gift is the Holy Spirit. And what Jesus wants you to know, this is a centerpiece of the gift. It is actually the presence of God. Not just that you are gifted to do something, but you have this gift. When I became a Christian, I was 16 years old. I was in high school. And one of the things that, um, I mean, I was just kind of like a voracious learner at that time. I just wanted to learn a lot more about God. I started reading through the Bible. I started reading these little devotional guides that I found wherever. And uh, one lesson I, I learned really early on in faith was that God was with me wherever I was, wherever I went. And this kind of change in looking at things and this change of perspective was so significant. I didn't realize it at the time, but it has impacted and changed the way I have lived ever since. It is nothing short of a spiritual earthquake. God wasn't just available to me when I went to church on Sunday and I I praised God and prayed and did stuff like that. He wasn't just there at youth group. He was there when I was like brushing my teeth, (laughs) when I was going to school, you know. He was with me uh, going to work, working out. I didn't work out back then, but yes, he was with me every single moment of the day. And that small shift in consciousness and, and awareness began to change the texture of my life, of how I perceive and how I look at things and how I interact with the world. It's so significant that, you know, some of you here have worked on a rule of life. It is one of the first things I name in my rule of life. I will pay attention to the presence of God because those foundational things were so important to me. Now, are there ever times and moments in my life where I feel like I don't sense the presence of God? Uh, yes, of course there are. Are there? Do I ever have desert seasons? Do I ever go through spiritual winter? Do I ever, have I had long seasons of, of, you know, disconnection with God? Yes. You know, I've gone through that. I've had trials. I've had difficulties. I have had lost my focus sometimes and many various different reasons. And some of you are here and you're like that today. And I don't want you to feel like just because you can't feel the Holy Spirit in this moment, that that doesn't negate the truth, that what Jesus is saying of what Jesus is trying to communicate here in this text. The gift is this. The presence of God is with you through thick and thin, through ups and downs, through painful times, through light and shadow, the Spirit of God is always with you. And this was the thing that moved and fueled the early church to move forward. Now, there's a couple of texts that I want to point to here quickly. Psalm 139 describes this gift um, poetically. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. 
Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Wherever I go, this was that gift spoken of in the book of Psalms. In the New Testament, it's phrased like this. The book of Hebrews was addressing people who were going through really difficult times. Some of them had all their possessions taken away. They had their relatives uh, in jail. Some of them had uh, been dragged here and there by, um, by the authorities because of their faith. And at the end of this book, there is this uh, assurance. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Because that's one of the most tempting things to think about. When your life is going down in the pits, you want to look for a salvation, maybe through money. Be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? These words were just... Such a relief to people. And there are some of you here today, and you need to hear this. Because you're going through a difficult time, and you've forgotten about your gift. And this book, in the beginning of Acts, these verses from Hebrews and Psalms, serve to remind you, you're not alone. You've never been alone. In God, you have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he goes with you through all things. All right. So these are the foundation stones of Acts. It's the resurrection of Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit of God. Now we get to the vision. This is the vision. I will send you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Now these are all framed geographically. Um, and the geography of ancient times had significance for people who are listening. So it's kind of like when I, when I say Dallas, you may have a certain imagination. I say Austin, you, you have a certain picture in your head of what that city is like. Or if I say Midtown or Katy or like, you know, wow, whatever, Bel Air, right? Um, you have things in your mind that go along with geography. The same thing with each of these places. So When Jesus was saying this, he was saying something specific. When he says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, what was he saying? He's saying, you're actually going to be my witnesses to the people who killed me. To the people in power, to the people who oppressed, to the people who crucified. You are going to go back, you're going to proclaim this message of the resurrection. Okay? All right. You're going to go to Samaria. And what was Samaria? Samaria was a neighboring region, but it wasn't like, you know, some of you have neighbors and you like your neighbors, you know, and we're a pretty friendly city here in Houston, you know. The hurricane happened a couple of years ago and a lot of our neighbors helped each other, but but you know, the Samaritan kind of Jewish relationship there, it was not good. You know, Jesus gave a parable about the Good Samaritan. And it was one of those earthquaking kind of parables that shook down foundations because the assumption about Samaritans were they were not good. They're not worthy to talk to. They're like religiously misguided. (laughs) They were kind of weird, you know, just Samaritans. And Jesus said, you should follow his example. 
So you're going to go to Samaria. You're going to be my witnesses. And then he says, you're going to go to the ends of the earth. You're going to go everywhere. Now, in my uh, contemporary mindset, I think ends of the earth, and I go, that's, that's exciting, you know? I, you know? I would love to go to the ends of the earth. I would love to visit different parts of the earth. You know, that's what we do in the summers. Our family likes to travel a lot. You know, when I travel, uh, I have all these helps, right? So uh, Yelp is pretty helpful. Uh, in Europe, uh, TripAdvisor is way more helpful. Um, I have a passport that lets people know I'm from the United States. That is very, very helpful. Um, I have air tickets that allow me to, to move from place to place, and I have a schedule and itinerary. And this past summer when we were in Europe, um, Google Translate was amazing. It was just amazing because I, I could just type in words, and I, I figured out what people were saying, and I could translate and, uh, and not feel as lost. I had GPS, sort of helped, you know. Um, I left my on for like two days, and I drained all my data in like 48 hours. That was horrible. Um, what was I saying? <laughs> ends, ends of the earth. Okay, so imagine. Imagine if you were in Central America, for instance. You lost your phone. You lost your passport. You only had a couple hundred bucks on you. You don't know a soul. You lost your air ticket. You don't have a plan. You don't have a place to stay overnight. You're going out. This was what it was like in the first century. People said, ends of the earth? No way. I'm not going. You guys stay, and maybe we'll just send some of those, those like missionaries. <laughs> they can go out, right? Um, yeah. This was big. And Jesus said, you're going to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. The vision that Jesus was giving to his people was this. Embedded his, in his instructions was that the, the church, his church, was going to be a faith village with people from all nations. It was a church that would unite diverse people. It was going to be a church of all nations. It would be a church of people who didn't look the same, didn't speak the same language, who had different skin color, who maybe identified of a different race or ethnicity, who had different cultures, who, who ate different foods. He said it this way in the Gospels. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations. The vision for the church has always been a vision of a plurality of people people from all kinds of different ethnic backgrounds. That's what the nations say. Um, and this is that beautiful vision that we are going to live into here at Access. Now, um, this is my introduction for today. There's a lot I'm going to try and say, and I'm trying to say it briefly today. We're going to spend a lot more weeks on this. There's so much more I could say. I'm trying to restrain myself from um, just going off script. But um, I just want to say this is where we are. I wanted to kind of turn the corner for today just to keep it practical and realistic and what we're going to do about what is contained in the beginning book of Acts and begin to move us forward and get you excited for what's ahead. 
I'm going to lay down three kind of practical things that we can look at. One is a church corporate thing. We're going to be talking about the access vision statement, where we are with that. The second is a framework and a kind of model for community building. Uh, and then the last thing are some questions to begin the conversation between you and me. So, okay, here we go. We worked on this for months. The access vision statement is actually something that a subgroup of us from the lead team and staff began to work on um, at the beginning of this year. And when we finally came up with it, there was a sense of, ooh, I think this is it. There's a kind of an oh yeah moment, kind of aha moment. And I just want to read it to you to digest for the first time today. Our vision is to be a church, experiencing a deep life with God and others, Growing as a faith village, striving for unity in diversity, empowering people on mission, and impacting culture in the way of Jesus. I'm going to read it again. Our vision is to be a church experiencing a deep life with God and others. Growing as a faith village, striving for unity in diversity, Empowering people on mission and impacting culture in the way of Jesus. Now, if you've been here for a few years, you may have heard of our, you know, the six things in five years plan that we laid out a while ago. Um, We've been a little bit kind of quieter on it because, you know, like those five years, boy, they just went right through us like that. And we were like, we're not even close. Um, and we were just trying to lay down the beginning track work for all the things that were going to happen with Access. And we decided, um, staff and lead team, we kept talking about this. This vision still resonates with us a lot. We want to pursue it, but we know we, there's no way we're going to do this in a few years. It's going to take a lifetime. And it became conversation about vision for who we are becoming as a church and what we want to see happen. We want to be a church And that's not a building, that's you and me as followers of Jesus. Very important, critical distinction. Experiencing a deep life with God and others, that doesn't happen overnight. We've been cultivating this for years and years. A deep life with God, a soul-to-soul connection with God and with others, it's something that we are both proud of and we major on here at Access. It determines the way we talk about leadership and ministries, including our groups and our formation groups and all the things that we have. We are growing as a faith village. And let me be careful with how I say faith village. It's not just we are growing in terms of having a lot of new kids here at Access, which we are. We may have about 12 newborns here at Access in 2019, and that's only the ones I know about, right? There's others. Um, That's not the vision only. To grow as a faith village is young and old. It's about connections, intergeneration. It's about having a village mentality of brothers and sisters, uncles and aunts, and everyone in between that we together live this faith out in a new relationship created by Jesus, empowering, striving for unity in diversity. This is where we're going to camp out today because today is the first day that we are beginning to launch into new initiatives for access. We are majoring on this piece of our vision for the foreseeable season, the next season of ministry together, and this is really exciting. 
I'll, I'll breeze through the next parts. Empowering people on mission, impacting culture in the way of Jesus. But what is this going to mean practically for us? In the near future, we're doing this teaching series. We're doing our vision statement. We have the Wrecking Crew, which has monthly dialogues on race. We have the Wrecking Crew, who has created a vision and a process document for us, which we'll share in the fall. Uh, We have our retreat on sacred stories, which is about um, interracial relationships, as well as understanding our own sacred stories. That's going to be awesome. Sign up for that. Um, And then we have 2020. We're working on scheduling workshops, seminars. We're going to be diversifying our Sunday teaching lineup with other speakers. It's going to be awesome. But that's all in the store for the future. Get excited. All right, so number two, this is where else this, is, this vision thing is going to go. Uh, how can we make this a little bit more practical? Sankofa was a trip that I took last week, and let me just say a little bit about that. Sankofa is a West African word meaning looking back to move forward. It is a trip put on by the Love, Mer- uh, Love Mercy Do Justice Department of the Evangelical Covenant Church, and I was paired with a uh, a friend from Dallas, Pastor Rodney Gadsden, and together we went through civil rights sites. We heard from civil, civil rights leaders from the day. We watched movies. We talked about awkward racial questions. Um, and we, man, it was probably one of the most life-changing trips I've taken in a long time. And um, I just want to say the learnings I had from that trip and continue to experience today is going to impact where we're going as a church. It's very, very significant. Um, that's a picture of uh, Reverend Shuttlesworth uh, bringing new kids to school. Those aren't his kids. But, you know, I was reflecting on this so much. My kids just got into, you know, high school here in Houston. That was the time of desegregation in the 1960s, and it cost them just to go to school. It's just just... All right, I, I don't have time for all that today, but it's coming, all right? We'll be talking about that. Okay, so one of our first lessons for Sankofa was this four-part model of community building. Community, chaos, emptiness, and true community. So um, this is a framework built by somebody who uh, um, kind of theologically modeled what, what uh, a true community could become. His name was Peck, P-E-C-K, uh, I changed one of the words for that, but I just want us to kind of think about this for a little bit and introduce it today. When people are first in community, they have good relationships, and there's a level of niceness that we have with one another, and we don't say awkward things, and we give people the benefit of the doubt when, they, when, they, when things come up, and that's the first level of community. He calls it, Peck calls it pseudo-community, I think that's... I disagree with them there, but anyways. Um, chaos is the next stage of community development. And that happens when the niceness of our fellowship begins to like dissipate, when people begin sharing real opinions about politics and religion, about the world that we live in. And some of the, you know, we've used this metaphor here at Access Lot, they're, they're, we are porcupines in a sense, and our prickly skin, sometimes barbs against others, it causes chaos. It causes disruption. Now, the thing that we often think is that when chaos happens, God's not there. And St. Kofa was really adamant in saying, when chaos happens, that's part of God's movement. You have to understand that chaos is good. We're going to be diving into that a lot in the next few months. 
After chaos comes emptiness. It is the emptying of self. And the emptying needs to happen after chaos. It is coming grip to grips with the things that you yourself bring to make chaos happen. Your selfishness, your pride, your prejudice, your bias against other races, against other people, all of these things begin to come out. This is the deeper work of God. and can feel a little bit like death, but it is also part of what God does. And finally, through that comes true community. Now, let me just quickly draw some lines from this for today. This is... This is a great way of modeling the book of Acts. This happens. God introduces chaos all the time in the book of Acts. The earthquake happens, and then foundations begin to crumble, and people are like, oh my gosh, what happened? This can't be from God. I'm getting arrested. I'm getting beaten down. The church is like in shambles. There's like the biggest argument ever. Several of them happen in the book of Acts, and it's from the Holy Spirit of God. And then comes the emptying, the the changes, the realization, and then a deeper sense of community. And I also want to draw one more line here, too, because when I saw this, I was like, wow, this actually describes my marriage, too. You know, married life was kind of like this. And I, I, I was just thinking about this for access because so many people are having babies. Boy, let me just say, when, this, when we started having kids, this happened to me a lot. You know, chaos went through the roof, um, and there was an emptying, too. But that was good for my soul. And um, in this season of life for many of you, as you're preparing for this, and I know some of you are preparing for kids, maybe for the first time, it's okay to be arguing. That's life. It comes in that kind of mode. It's stressful, no doubt about it. But stay connected. We'll talk so much more about this. Oh, so, uh, this is my intro. All right, so I'm going to have to skip by this real quick, too. Um, these are our discussion questions, and these are for interpersonal relationship. This is for us to start talking about. And as we begin groups and launch into them, we'll be having discussion questions every week. Some of them you can just take a picture of, and then you bring it back to your group. Some of them you may want to talk about over dinner with your friends um, or your family. Uh, some of them you may just maybe you want to journal about, so all of the things are good. You need to be in conversation about this stuff, about the Holy Spirit, about this vision of Christ, about the access vision, about community building and chaos and emptiness, all that stuff. So, so please stay engaged on that level. Now, again, like I said, today was just our first step. I get so excited when we do these things that it's so hard for me to, to, to rein it in. Um, and I hope you feel some of that excitement too come back. <laughs> Stay with the series. Don't go missing on Sundays. You're not going to want to miss any of this stuff. You're going to want to be engaged in group life to talk about this. You're going to want to be in ministry with people side by side to talk about these things. You're going to want to pay attention to what the Spirit of God is doing. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much. There's so much in the book of Acts that we're going to be getting into and so much to be excited for. But I thank you that, Lord, this spiritual transformation is not generated simply by our own efforts and ideas, but you have given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we end today 
knowing that this gift is with us. And we go forth empowered, reassured, with a sense that you are always with us. Remind us again and anew of that gift. In Jesus' name, amen.